you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. I don't, I don't know if they really think we can win every game. I, I don't, I don't, you know, so we're good enough, I think. Okay. I'm not a genius, but... It, we can win. We can win seven games. We can win these games. All right? We already threw away three of them. I mean, Oklahoma kicked our rear. But I said, you know, that that's that's the expectation. Is like, hey, not not just to go to a bowl game. Let's we can win the West. That's what it is. So you're in first place. Act like it and play like it. You know. So that that's but it again takes time. But you know, hey, I'm I'm a realist. If we don't get there, I'm not going to be here anyways. So I told them that. And we we win the West, you know, I'll, I'll ride Mickey's coattails. But but it comes down to those guys playing, and I think they've taken that to heart, and we practice well these two days. So that's I said. I, I told them I won't ever BS them. And um, and I like, the, I like these guys. I said it. And I told them all, I like you. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't play you. That was Nebraska offensive coordinator Mark Whipple doing exactly what he said he would do, not BSing. He doesn't have time for that. He's been doing this for too long. He took this Nebraska job coming off one of his career highs, a pit offense that averaged 41 points as the Panthers won the ACC. He had to know there was a significant risk that this could be a one-year deal at Nebraska. We all knew the stakes for Scott Frost, and the house collected on that bet perhaps earlier than expected. Nothing's guaranteed for any of these coaches beyond this year, given the way that things unfolded. But even on a short week, there's still a lot of season left. What do we make of Whipple's assertion that Nebraska could win every game remaining? And to be clear, he was speaking exclusively about the offense when he said, I don't know if they think. That's the they there. But of that notion... I would say it's certainly not likely, but it is possible. Nebraska is a slight favorite over Rutgers this week. It might be the last time the Huskers are favored this season. But with six teams tied at one and one in the West, this isn't so much a division race at the moment as it is a demolition derby. Some team has to be the last team standing. Is Purdue good? Look that way winning with defense against Minnesota. The team that previously looked like a contender for best in the West, Illinois, might have the best resume so far. Wisconsin, the Badgers shockingly fired Paul Chris this week. And while this year's team might not be vintage Wisconsin, I'll be surprised if it doesn't start playing closer to form over the remaining games. Northwestern? Ugh. After beating Nebraska and Ireland, the Wildcats lost three straight home games as a touchdown favorite or better and fell back to the pack technically after a loss at Penn State last week. Iowa looks like the same old story. All the defense you could want, good special teams, none of the offense. And it's perfectly capable of winning the division that way. Where would you slot Nebraska in that group right now? I wouldn't say among the favorites, 
but it has the opportunity to change that. If the Huskers are to change that, I would agree with Whipple that the offense might be good enough to win every remaining game. It's not perfect. From a yards perspective, Nebraska's about average, but it's top 25 in rushing and passing success rate, which is very encouraging. It has some explosiveness, particularly in the passing game. And Anthony Grant is the workhorse back Nebraska has needed since the end of the 2018 season. You look at the schedule, and minus a trip to Michigan, there's nothing that screams no. No chance in that one. Now, the Huskers might have to win every game 35-31 or something close to that. But the offense is already close to that range anyway. Nebraska's averaging 31.4 points through five games. That's an important number. Write that one down because we'll be talking about it later. For now, on with the show. You're listening to the IED Preview Podcast, Huskers Scarlet Knights Edition. I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. Let's talk some football. We'll kick off the first half here with a review of the game tape from last week's show. How did our three keys against Indiana do? Number one, I thought the Huskers needed to average between four and a half and five yards per carry. Nope. By the box score, Nebraska averaged 2.2. Add sack yardage back in and take those sacks out from the rushing attempts, which should be just the way things work anyway, but is not for maddening reasons. Nebraska averaged 3.5 yards per carry. Running back Anthony Grant was at 4.2 yards per carry, getting closer. But overall, the numbers weren't eye-popping. But I think the point is Nebraska ran it well enough on that last touchdown drive where it had a lead and wanted to extend it, but also chew some clock. The Huskers were able to run the ball. And we did know going into the Indiana game that passing was another viable path here for Nebraska. And you get a 71-yard touchdown pass to go ahead. Uh, That's a lot of yards, a lot of yards to be had on one play. So passing grade for Nebraska there. Did they hit the number? No, they didn't hit the number. But to Indiana's credit, it was a pretty solid run defense coming in. Second key last week, I was really focused on Indiana's third down conversion rate. I thought the Huskers had to be below 45%. That was a slight ask of this defense. Nebraska hadn't been good on third down through the first four games of the season. Meanwhile, the Hoosiers entered the game 30th nationally at 47.2% conversion rate. Nebraska held the Hoosiers to 2 of 15, 13.3%. So emphatic check mark there. And, you know, really that's kind of the game in a a nutshell for, for Nebraska defensively. Third key didn't have a number for this one. It was more... It was less tangible than that, but I asked the question, could, could Nebraska find a way? The game projected to be close. It, Nebraska and Indiana, there wasn't a whole lot to separate them, in my view, in the view of most of the power ratings and in the view of the public based on you know what happened with the, with the betting line there. This game did end up being close into the fourth quarter, and Nebraska didn't panic. Not only that, but... It sustained some things that we've seen past he, past Nebraska teams struggle to to survive, really, between the sack fumble for a touchdown, 
Uh, Indiana's offense really only had two big drives, both of which came right before halftime, both of which involved a handful of big plays that allowed the Hoosiers to really push the pace. But a game that Nebraska felt like it was controlling for the most part was 21-21 at halftime. And that's that's a problem. We've seen we've seen past Nebraska teams kind of wilt in in that scenario, or at least feel the weight of having lost something you felt like you already gained. And I guess maybe the most interesting thing about the win over Indiana was that Nebraska didn't get all that back with a home run right out of halftime. It got it back through a handful of singles. Uh, it stayed the course, kept playing good defense, kept executing its offensive plan, and ended up with a 14-point win. So give the Huskers a check mark there um, and a good good bit of relief, I think, given the, the number of these kind of games that Nebraska's come up short in in the past. We'll move to this Friday's game against Rutgers. Uh, it opened as a pick which wasn't all that surprising to to me um but it's gone up from there huskers were minus three and a half by midweek and that's right in the range of of where the two power ratings we look at each week would have this espn's sp plus ranks nebraska 63rd after last week with a rating of 4.0 which both of these ratings that we're talking about here 0.0 is considered the average college football team so SB Plus is saying Nebraska's four points better than average at the moment. Rutgers comes in at 77th in those rankings, minus 0.4. So that projects to a line of nearly Nebraska minus two when you factor in a couple of points for Rutgers for being at home. FPI sees the gap as a little bit smaller between the two. Nebraska's 74th in this week's rankings, minus 1.4, so below average. Rutgers is also below average at 84, minus 3.5. But using two and a half points here for home field, which is what I tend to use when looking at these power ratings, projects a line with Rutgers as a slight favorite, minus 0.5 or thereabouts. So that's about where the line started. SP Plus, SP Plus is closer to where it was midweek, uh, which is exactly what unfolded last week, if you choose to view that as an omen get into a little bit of the personnel here with three key players on the Rutgers side to start. Number one, a player I like quite a bit and have seen quite a bit of over the past handful of Big Ten seasons, safety Christian Izian. He leads Rutgers with 37 tackles as a safety. Uh, He had 15 tackles in the Iowa game two weeks ago. Last time out against Nebraska in 2020, he had two interceptions as well. So he's kind of their do-everything guy, a a really veteran presence in a secondary that we'll talk about a little bit later as we get into the second half. Number two, running back Samuel Brown V was not an early enrollee at Rutgers. He's a true freshman, but he has emerged as maybe Rutgers' top back as a true freshman. Carried 42 times for 210 yards with two touchdowns so far this season. Really good young player. The the kind of young player that Rutgers, in my opinion, just viewing it from afar, 
probably doesn't get often enough. So keep an eye on Brown. Um, he's, he's one that poses some danger, I think, to the Nebraska defense. Third on the list, we'll go back to defense. That is, that is the strength of this Rutgers team at the moment. No surprise, given that Greg Schiano is a defensive head coach. Uh, linebacker Tyreen Powell. Sophomore is also tough to miss when, when watching the Knights. It's third on the team in tackles with 27. Leads in sacks with three and has three more QB Huries on top of that. This is an active Rutgers defense. This is defense that can get after the quarterback and get into opposing backfields, which, as we know, having watched all of Nebraska's season thus far, uh, tends to be a problem for the Huskers. So keep an eye on that. Flip this around to the Nebraska side. Uh, Number one, a fairly obvious choice, but a choice made for a reason. Go with quarterback Casey Thompson. His touchdown to interception ratio seven to four may not look all that impressive but those four interceptions have come on 144 attempts his interception rate 2.8 percent isn't great but it's not bad either more on that in the second half as well number two uh maybe a little bit of a sentimental pick but also i think one that has some actual game value here tight end travis vocalek After making five catches for 63 yards in the opener against Northwestern, Vokalek missed two games, and in the two games he's had back since returning from injury, only made two catches for 13 yards. Can he be more involved? Uh, Because he sure looked like one of Nebraska's best players in that opener. Also, as a former Rutgers tight end, uh, who wouldn't love to see that guy have a, a great game on his former home field? Three on the list for me with Nebraska this week. I'm going to go with defensive lineman Ty Robinson. Got his first sack of the season against Indiana. Let's see if he can build on that. It was his best game of the year so far, in my opinion. His play in the run game might be as important as anything. If Rutgers can run the ball on Friday, Nebraska is very likely going to find itself in the wrong sort of game. A game that unfolds much more to Rutgers liking than the Huskers. So that's not all on Ty Robinson, but after an encouraging performance against Indiana, let's see. Let's see if there's still more out there for him because he's one of those guys and there's a handful on that defensive side where we knew Nebraska lost a lot of experience, but the experience that did return needs to be good. And that was a very mixed uh mixed proposition through the first four games saw a little more of what I think you needed to see from guys like Robinson and I would put linebacker Luke Reimer in that category as well against the Hoosiers that will take us to halftime here's meteorologist Rusty Dawkins with the forecast for Saturday you can follow Rusty on Twitter at Husker Weather and check HaleVarsity.com throughout the week for updates ahead of game day which remember is a day early this time. Hey there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for Hale Varsity. This is the I-80 preview podcast forecast. And this time the Huskers are headed east to New Jersey, Piscataway, New Jersey, taking on Rutgers. Kickoff around 6 p.m. They have a, a chance for some light rain. 
Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be that big a deal, but uh, it, it could impact the game, especially the first half of the game. Just some light rain possible, otherwise mostly cloudy skies. Temperatures around kickoff, around 6 p.m., would be uh, in the upper 60s to around 70 degrees, a bit of a northwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Uh, if models continue to trend the way they are trending right now, the rain should be done by early in the game. I think by halftime, temperatures drop into the lower 60s, partly to mostly cloudy skies and a northwest wind at 5 to 10, maybe 15 miles per hour. By the end of the game, partly to mostly cloudy skies, temperatures in the middle 50s, with a northwest wind around 5 to 15 miles per hour. That's how it stands right now. If anything changes, you can follow my social media pages for all the updates on Husker weather. That's all Husker weather all the time. Uh, my personal one, Rusty WX, that's mostly just Nebraska and everything else, and uh, all of the Husker, uh, all of the Hail Varsity channels as well, and their website. Go Big Red! End of the second half, where games, of course, particularly Big Ten games, it seems, are, are won or lost. The short week makes this a challenge for, for both teams, but as the road team, Nebraska's load might be slightly heavier. The first true road game Nebraska has played to this point. The Huskers might also be slightly healthier than, than Rutgers at the moment, based on Greg Schiano's game week press conference. But this is still a road game. It's a largely unfamiliar setting for most of this Nebraska roster. It's only the Huskers' third trip to Piscataway since the Knights joined the Big Ten. It's at night, where Rutgers is 16-8 and eight under Greg Schiano. Oh, and the Scarlet Knights will actually be the Black Knights on Friday, if you believe in that sort of thing. It's Rutgers' blackout game, which includes all black uniforms. So how do the Huskers win this one? Here are the three keys I'll be keeping a close eye on. Number one, the passing game will have to be on point. The strength of this Rutgers defense is unquestionably, in my mind, the secondary. The Knights have six interceptions on the year from five different DBs. Three of those DBs also have blocked a kick this season. So keep an eye on that as well. It's not the focus of this first key, but special teams can never ignore it. Five of Rutgers' six interceptions on the year came in the Knights' three wins so far. Casey Thompson's been really solid for Nebraska. He hasn't had the best pass protection, but he keeps bouncing back, and I think that says a lot about him. I mentioned earlier his interception rate isn't bad, but it is odd in one regard. In the first half of games this season, Thompson's completing 75% of his passes with four touchdowns and no interceptions. That means in the second half, he's only completing 52% of his throws with three touchdowns to four interceptions. The third quarter has been particularly tough for him, where he's completing just 45% of his throws. Maybe that's game plan. Maybe that's in-game wear and tear, which honestly (laughs) would make some sense. Who knows? But we can know this going in. As good as running back Anthony Grant has been, the Husker passing game is still the strength here. It'll be throwing into Rutgers' strength, an active and athletic secondary that has a nose for the ball. Nebraska can probably get away with one interception on Friday, though if it happens to come in the first half, that might be an early warning sign for me. More than one interception overall. And clearly, I think there's trouble. Though, do have to note, the last time Nebraska beat a team while throwing two or more interceptions, it was on this field 
in the last game of 2020. A game that was far more uncomfortable than anyone at NU would have liked. We'll keep that number at one, knowing that, hey, last time, literally the last time Nebraska was here, it got away with more than one, but I think for this one to to feel safe and comfortable, for it to feel like Nebraska's in control, got to avoid those interceptions, and Rutgers has, has shown a knack for them so far, so fairly uh, easy and obvious key, maybe, but it's going to be a big one. Second key for me, contain the run, yes, but kill the big plays. So far this season, Rutgers has needed 18.6 yards to produce a point. That's 117th nationally. At .223 points per play, the Knights rank 121st and last in the Big Ten. Bet you thought that was Iowa, didn't you? Neither of those numbers include Rutgers' 66-7 win over Wagner. I've looked at this every which way, and currently, I don't like to throw out data this early in a season without a good reason. And the good reason here is that Wagner is really, really bad. doesn't bring me any joy to say that, but it's true. In the season-opening win over Boston College... Rutgers was pretty impressive on the ground. And of course, it was pretty impressive against Wagner. So the Knights' rushing success rate looks pretty solid. Top 20 when you don't limit it for garbage time or for FBS-only opponents. If Nebraska's defense, after a strong outing last week, were to look more like the defense of the first four games, that being one that was continually gashed on the ground, it's obviously a problem. A familiar face might be a bit of a wild card here. Uh, Former Husker and Wahoo native Noah Vedrill made his season debut last week against Ohio State. He only carried four times, didn't attempt any passes. Shiano made it sound this week like they're working him back gradually. I mean, I think from everything I saw coming into the season, he was the presumed starter. For, for Rutgers a quarterback and then wasn't available through these these first handful of games. Might be more available now, and that obviously adds a wrinkle because Husker fans are probably well aware of what he adds to to the run game. But sustained, consistent success, a high success rate rushing the ball, which I think Rutgers is better able to do if Federal is able to go maybe isn't even the biggest problem. The real danger here, I think, for Nebraska's defense would be a handful of explosive plays. That's not Rutgers' strength, and that's a fairly continual problem, again, in my view, from afar. That's probably holding the Shiano era back as much as anything. His defensive reputation precedes him. This Rutgers team plays pretty good defense. They've gotten better fundamentally in a lot of areas you look at Rutgers and the thing that they're lacking I think is many individual playmakers guys who can just do great things individually with the ball in their hand the Knights rank in the bottom third nationally with an explosive play percentage of 12.1 percent Nebraska's defense for everything it's been through already this season 
is at least average in the big place department. Compare that to success rate, sort of down to down efficiency, down to down dominance. If, if you're really good at keeping teams off schedule and the numbers aren't great for, for Nebraska there, as, as we've seen, they rank in the 120s, I think in Russian pass success rate. So I don't know that there's much changing that mid season, but if you can keep the big plays down, uh, you can give yourself a shot. I mean, it's not much different than how the 2021 defense, one that was really good in terms of limiting points, did it. It wasn't a great success rate defense. It was a nearly elite defense in terms of limiting big plays. Against this Rutgers offense, because it's not one that uh, you would expect to just reel off big plays if given the opportunity, not offering any shortcuts becomes the key. Make the Knights drive the ball for points. Simple as that. Against FBS opponents this year, Rutgers offense has five touchdowns. It didn't score any in a 16-4 win over Temple. Got three field goals and a returned interception for a touchdown. Two of Rutgers' five actual offensive scoring drives this year covered less than 20 yards. Two more covered 61 and 63 yards in five plays, meaning they got a big play in there somewhere. The remaining touchdown, credit where credit is due, was an epic 12-play, 96-yarder where Rutgers really kept the ball on the ground and did it to beat Boston College. But that's not this offense's game in a large sense. Even Rutgers' three field goals have come on drives of eight plays twice and 12 plays once, which is a sign that, you know, this is an offense that not only is it gaining yards and chunks very often, it might lack a little bit of a finishing kick as well. The motto here becomes no short fields, which the defense really doesn't have much control over. That's turnovers and special teams for the most part. And no shortcuts. Nebraska probably needs to keep this explosive plays percentage below 14%. Third and final key for Friday, points are the point. Let's get back to that 31.4 points per game I mentioned Nebraska is averaging so far this season. If you're a Hale Varsity subscriber, you may already know where this is going because I wrote about it in our August issue last year. Yes, that's me plugging our product. Go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and use promo code IED at checkout for a discount. What you could have read last August was that 31 points per game is sort of a magic number for an offense in the Big Ten. From 2016 to 2020, five seasons, 17 Big Ten teams averaged that for a season. Those teams, when it combined, 175 and 42, a winning percentage of 0.806. The worst record a team finished with, while scoring at least 31 points a game, over that span was 8 and 5, 2019 Indiana. Three more teams joined the 31 point club in 2021. Ohio State, which is there every year, to be honest, Michigan, and Michigan State. Those three teams in 2021 went a combined 34-6 and six last season, 
bringing our total winning percentage for Big Ten teams averaging 31 plus points per game to 0.813. Neat. All that said, the number has power because it's not easy to do. Not in this conference. 20 teams over six seasons, that's about three a year. Right now, Nebraska is one of seven Big Ten teams, averaging 31-plus points. But those numbers are coming down for a bunch of teams. Soon. Those numbers were achieved mostly in non-conference play, and there are a bunch of conference slugfests ahead. Take Purdue and Minnesota, for example. Those two teams entered last week averaging 36 and 46 points, respectively. Yep. The Boilermakers won a defensive game, beat the Gophers 20-10. to 10. That's not that uncommon in the Big Ten for whatever mystical, mythical reasons there are. It's likely the Huskers' scoring average is coming down too, not going up. But if it doesn't go down, if it stays the same or even ticks up a point or two, unlikely as that may be, well, that, in my opinion was what Whipple was talking about to start the show. Nebraska's offense now is good, with just a little more efficiency in some certain spots, maybe a few more short fields, however those may come, definitely fewer negative plays in the Husker backfield. The offense could be very good. Friday night at Rutgers should be a good test of that. The Knights' defense is stout and creates a lot of havoc. But remember, points are the point. I'm reasonably confident Nebraska can get to 30 points in this game. Rutgers? If Nebraska's defense plays with the same effort it did last week, that would be a surprise to see the Knights get to 30. In four games against FBS opponents, the Knights are averaging 14.5. Football is a multifaceted game. But Nebraska's shiniest surface so far is that offense. With some more polish... It could shine even brighter. We'll put the number where this key needs to be right at 31. Let the chase for 31 points begin. Though 35, 38 would be better. Give Nebraska a little bit more uh, breathing room for averaging 31 by the time we get all 12 games in. But Nebraska's got a shot at that, I think. Not a great shot. Uh, but it's in range, and it's got a chance. That's all Whipple was talking about. You got a chance. You're tied for first. You got an offense that's averaging over 30 points a game. If you just keep that piece of it up, barring some strange stuff everywhere else, a defense that, well, allows more than 31 points a game, uh, special teams that are atrocious, atrocious, which we've seen, in the past, though things seem to be a little bit better so far this year, uh, get to 31. Aaron Judge completed his his chase for 62 this week. We'll see if Nebraska can stay in the race, stay ha- stay in a spot where it has a realistic chance of, of being one of those 31-point-per-game teams in the Big Ten. When you are, good things tend to happen. Thank you for listening to the IAD Preview. If you like the show, do your podcast chores, rate and review it, tell a friend. But the best way to support the show and everything we do at Hale Varsity is by becoming a subscriber. I mentioned earlier, you can go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe. 
and use promo code I80 for a discount on your subscription. We'd love to have you and talk to you next week. A Huda Media Production.